Let's open our Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Acts, chapter 13. Thank you. Acts, chapter 13. You know, seeing these kids up here this morning just kind of warmed my heart because, you know, we work week in and week out and month in and month out and year in and year out. And uh, sometimes we don't see a lot. But God is doing his mysterious work in the hearts of people. And it's so cool to see that come to fruition. 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, Acts chapter 13. Now, now in the church there was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. They were preachers and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Nigar, Lucius of Cyrene, and Maenon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to, to me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them to do. Now it's kind of uh, interesting this morning that uh, as our young people are leaving to go and do their missionary thing, that we're talking about actually the first experience in the New Testament where a church actually officially sent out a group of people as missionaries. And it was because, and it was in the process, verse number two, as they ministered to the Lord and they fasted. This church was a ministering church. It was a fasting church. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them to do. And what that means is I want you to release these people. As Pastor Ken was talking this morning, you know, we want to keep them all right here in Library, Bethel Park, and South Park uh, uh, to help us in the ministry. And, the, and the, the Lord says here, now listen, I want you to release these people. Let them go. Now, I'm sure that was hard on the church there because they were important to the ministry. Then having fasted and prayed, and this was the response of the church right here. They fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, and they sent them away. And that's exactly what we've done this morning. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they came to Cyprus. And when they had arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. They also had John, and this is John Mark, as their assistant. Everybody needs some assistance, don't they? It's good if you have some good assistance. Now, when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet. There are always false prophets around. A Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Now, I'd like you to, if you like to underline things in your Bible, underline that. This man sought to hear the word of God. Uh, he was like Cornelius, a seeker. There are people out there right now that would just wish that somebody would tell them something about the God of heaven. I think we can put this man in that category. But Elimaz, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Now Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, God does special things through people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
In our life, before we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are filled with ourselves. And the whole process of life, spiritual life, is trying to get the courage to empty ourselves so God can fill us with his spirit, so he can use us in a powerful way. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil. That's pretty tough language, isn't it? says, you are, the, you are in the family of the devil. I just want to go on record. I'm telling you that. You're a son of the devil. Now, Jesus said that same thing to the Pharisees. Remember, he said, your, your God is, is Satan. You're the son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to, to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, be, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Here we, find, uh, here we find an experience of God opening doors for people to serve him. I think God is always in that business. I think whenever we look at the Bible, we, we, we should always take those stories and bring them right over to where we live today and say, hey, listen, uh, can, do, can God do this again? Well, God is doing it again. God is doing it again. Uh, we are still living in the age of the Holy Spirit, and we are still experiencing the acts of the believers. The Holy Spirit is still at work in the church. Now, when we think about the ministry of Jesus, often we think about little villages, Bethlehem, Bethany, Capernaum, little towns. But from this point on in the story of the book of Acts, uh, God starts working over the big cities. Remember, Jerusalem was the epicenter of the Jewish church. Now, Antioch, right here, verse 1, chapter 13 of Acts, uh, was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. And this church would be the epicenter of Gentile Christianity. And so the Jewish church was focusing out of Jerusalem. This church was focusing out of Syria in a city called Antioch. And uh, our story opens this morning with ministry in the church. You know, when we think about the church, we think about the schedule of the church the routine, the predictability in the ministry. In the winter, we do this. In the summer, the pastor pulls out his prayer list and beats us on the head, pray for the church throughout the summer. We know what's coming this summer and next summer here at our church. We know what's coming in the spring and we know what's coming in the fall. And uh, we go through our little routine. And sometimes it's easy for us to fall into a, uh, just a routine, just to get through it, and just to do the program and say, well, we did that. Uh, and, and we forget that God really wants to be at work in the church in a spiritual way. Just not going through the motions, just not, just not clicking off the schedule, so to speak. You know, when you think of the church, we think of the variety of people who serve in the church. Just this week I heard somebody, you know, people do crazy things, don't they? How many people agree with that? Raise your hand. Oh, man. <laughs> People do crazy things. And you know, every now and then, uh, you do crazy things, too. And so do I. 
Somebody was telling me the other day they were kind of covering for a person that was doing some crazy things. And we always make this statement, oh, it takes all kinds. That kind of covers it, doesn't it? It takes all kinds. Well, it does take all kinds. And here in the scripture this morning, I want you to show you just a few of these all kinds of people. Verse number one, there is Barnabas. Barnabas was known as the encourager. He was the man who would put his arm around a person and help them. In fact, we're introduced to him back in Acts chapter four. He sold a piece of property and he gave it to, to the money of it to somebody in need. He was an encourager. Uh, it's nice to have them around, isn't it? Look at the next person, Simeon. He was called Nigar. It has been suggested that this Simeon may have been the Simeon who carried the cross of Jesus when Jesus was going to be crucified. Now, if this person here in the church was indeed that person, uh, it makes sense because when people got around Jesus and they saw him die on the cross, all kind of people were believing at that particular time. And, the, and then I want you to notice the next person here, Lucius of Cyrene, and then Maenen. Maenen, we believe, was a childhood friend of Herod Antipas, who was responsible for killing John the Baptist. You know, it's amazing how two kids can grow up in the same neighborhood, have the same advantages almost, and turn out in two different ways. One kid takes the right path, the other kid takes the wrong path. Here's a kid that played with Herod Antipas, and Herod eventually was responsible for killing John the Baptist. The last person here is Saul, uh, but he won't be last for long. He's going to take over the leadership very soon. Ministering, they were. They were doing the service of the priest under the new covenant, and that's different than the priesthood in the Old Testament. Uh, what were they doing? They were offering, first of all, their bodies as a living sacrifice to God. You know, the Bible does teach us in Romans 12:1 how to do that as a Christian. Let's read this together. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. God says, I want you to give your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, I've heard people say, you know, uh, if I were called upon to die, I'd gladly give my life up as a martyr or something like that. Well, you know, God isn't calling most of his people to do that today. He's calling all of his people to be a living sacrifice, to die for him while they're living, to die to their self, to die to a lot of the things that we want, to surrender to the things that he wants. And that's what these people were doing right here in the church in Antioch. And you know what happens? When people do that in the church, and when people abandon themselves, when people abandon themselves to the will of God, God does special things in the lives of those people for eternity. And wouldn't it be a tragedy if you had your church experience and your spiritual life and it just, you really didn't contribute much to the promotion of the kingdom of God? What a waste.
Well, that's what they were doing. They laid down their life in the church. They said, listen, whatever it takes, that's what we're going to do. Um, they also were involved in the sacrifice of praise. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Let's read that. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. These people were doing that in the church. When they came together in the church, they lifted up the Lord. Uh, their thoughts were on God. You know, it's easy to be preoccupied with all sorts of other things, but God will bless a church that's occupied with praising God. They were taking care of the flock. The Bible says here, look at verse number two. As they ministered, they fasted. Fasting comes in various forms. Sometimes we fast when we lose the desire um, to eat simply because the situations that we face in life are too traumatic. I know that there are many people sitting here this morning and you've had terrible things happen in your life and your appetite just disappeared and people said, hey, listen, you better eat something. And, and you said, I'm just sick to my stomach. I can't eat anything. You, you were fasting uh, in that way. But uh, these people were probably not fasting in that way. They were probably fasting. They set aside food to concentrate more fully on seeking the Lord. Uh, maybe it was about reaching the world. How many people are fasting in the, in, the, in the church today to reach the world for Christ? And fasting is always connected with prayer. Uh, I've mentioned this only a few times, but for the last 11 years, God has enabled me to fast two days a week. And uh, somebody says, well, was that hard to do? Actually, it, it really wasn't. But I just give you one bit of advice. Don't have too much food in the house when you try to do that. Please. Uh, somebody said, why did you do that? Um, the only reason I could think why I did that is to draw closer to God, that's all. I had no other motivation. And I think that uh, these people may have had that motivation. I don't know, people fast. And not everybody can fast. Sometimes people have to eat their meals at a regular time and it's dangerous for them to fast. But anyway, what we're looking at right here in Acts chapter 13 is a healthy church. A healthy church. These people were not gathering just to say, hey, listen, I, I checked church off my list for this week. I did it. Uh, they were coming together for serious spiritual business. Now, doing church is, uh, is good, but we have to always be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, remember Peter and Cornelius, when they were in prayer and fasting, God spoke to them. And so whenever you begin to pray and fast, look out. God's going to tell you something. And he's probably going to say to you, listen, I have another mission for you in your life. I'm going to take you from where you are to where I want you to be. And that, that may not be from Bethel Park to Ecuador, and that may not be from uh, Bethel Park to the beach ministry, but it may be just another little change in the direction in which you're going in a spiritual way. Here the Holy Spirit said to the church, release them for the work which I've called them to do. I believe so dogmatically 
that God has called every single believer to do a work for him. You know, a lot of times we look at some people in the church and we say, oh, they're the worker bees. <laughs> when you go to church, they always have their hands on it. They're always they're doing vacation Bible school. They're singing in the choir. They're teaching Sunday school. They're the worker bees. I'm really not into that. Well, you know, uh, Christian work comes in different stages. But it, God has called all of us, I believe, to do some sort of a work for him. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Now, I want to lay this question on your mind. What work has God called you to do? Now, I know that people get frustrated with this. And they think, well, you know, it just kind of blows your mind because you think it's got to be something very special. But listen, God needs hands in every place. You know that? He needs people that can just do small things. And oftentimes what happens is whenever we, we do small things, God blesses us with other things. Because I've always seen that a, the reward of a job well done is more work to do. It really is. Uh, you come to church and do a good job, you're in for trouble. <laughs> Forget your life. <laughs> uh, we'll get you for more. But, you know, serving the Lord is, is spiritual impact, and a lot of it is, is nitty-gritty little stuff that, we, that has to be done around the church, but, but that's not our goal. Our goal is the transformation of a life, that God can take a person from darkness to light and make them an epicenter of spiritual vitality in their family. Well, the, the church here was commissioning them by laying on of hands. That's exactly what this is about. Uh, they were sending them out. Look at verse number three. They laid hands on them, and they sent them away. That simply meant that they were identifying with these people that were going. Um, this church in Antioch was a healthy church. It had the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and it's interesting here that the Holy Spirit sent Barnabas and Saul out in a similar way that the Holy Spirit sent Jesus out when he began his ministry. Remember when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, the Holy Spirit drove him, the Bible says, drove him into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit took him and used him, propelled him into ministry. That's exactly what's happening right here. The Holy Spirit is saying, listen, my hand is on these people, and I want to send them out in ministry. Uh, a healthy church is a church in which God is doing that through the church. The church is the breeding ground, the birthing place uh, for good things. I know that you can run into people all over that say, hey, listen, I don't have to go to church to have a connection with God. And that's essentially a true statement, but it's certainly not the best for our family. It's certainly not the best for our life. God created a spiritual family, I think, for everyone. It could be some wee little church. It could be some very large church. Just a place where people get together and, and, and put their resources together and have a spiritual impact in the community and the world. The church is to equip and then enlist and the believers to serve and to go, you know, most people 
are senders, other people are goers, uh, but all of us are ministers for Christ. We all have an important part. You know, if God has sent you to this church, it's for a reason. You have an important part here. You have a slot to fill. Here, and so here the Lord calls out Barnabas and Saul, and where do they go? Barnabas goes home to Cyprus. That's where he's from. Where shall we begin our Christian ministry? Uh, I hope you never get weary of me mentioning this. We begin in our circle. That's where we begin. I was talking to the people in our Saturday night congregation last night, and I said, you know, I can go up and talk to anybody. I, I don't know whether I've just trained myself. I could talk to the phone pole. Uh, I, I, can, I can talk to anybody, anywhere. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I'm not afraid. <laughs> um, but to somebody I really know and to a family member, that's harder, isn't it? That's hard. And so, and so here Barnabas says, listen, I know we have the whole world out there before us, but I feel led by God to go home because there are people on my island, the island of Cyprus, just like me before I found the Lord. And you know, when he went home uh, on this first missionary journey, he found that there was a tremendous openness to the word of God. You know, I think we oftentimes fear, you know, if I try to even bring up the subject, somebody's going to shut me down, and that's going to hurt. And, you know, I think it does hurt some. But we have to overcome the hurt for the bigger goal. Spreading the gospel is not about our hurts. It's not about how we feel. It's about getting this beautiful message of salvation out to the lost. And, and so we ought to be able to take a little pain for that purpose. I've often said that 90% of success is showing up. If you just show up, you can be successful. 90% of witnessing is speaking up. Just taking that first step, open your mouth. Say, listen, there's something I just really need to tell you. And it's amazing that you may just find what they found here in the synagogue, an openness to the word of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning and as our men get ready to serve communion, I just want us to look into our heart and just apply what we've seen in the, and heard in the church today. This sermon of mine was illustrated so graphically. It could, have not, it could not have been put together so well so that you could see the Holy Spirit in our church sending out our people on missionary enterprise and the church here standing behind, behind them and supporting them. Well, God does open doors for everyone and he doesn't send us where they're going, but he's going to send you somewhere this week. 
And I just want you to be exactly where God wants you this week. And so as we prepare our hearts to partake of communion this morning, I want to ask you to say, Lord, wherever you want me to go this week, that's what I'm doing. My ears are open. My heart is open toward you, Lord. Just guide me. Look into your heart. Is there something in your heart today that hinders you from communion with Christ? Just lay that out now before the Lord. Dear Lord, as we come now to partake of communion together as a church, we pray that you will move in among us and realize that, that all of this thing that we call church is, uh, is as a result of you dying on the cross, as a result of us believing in you and you banding us together and, and bonding us together uh, and helping us do your work on earth. We come together to revel now in our redemption and to thank you for what you've done to us. In Jesus' name, amen.